Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. What's up? It's Damien, and we're here with episode seven, episode eighty, correct correction, of Geekologist Radio. We're talking games on right now. We've got a crew together tonight. We got Nick and Silver with us, and we're gonna bring you in and talk to you about all the things. The starting of it will be going into in our queue because our errors and our missions this week is null. We did good. That's what that means. So starting off with Game On, we're going to talk a little thing. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey. We've talked some about Odyssey, but there's more to talk about, obviously, because this is a Mario game and it's the holiday season. And we need to let you know why this is something that you might want to pick up because it's one, is it worth the worth your money? Yes. <laughs> and two, is it something that you can go back and play again and again? It's Mario. Guys. Let's hear let's hear your your uh, your take on Mario Odyssey. The more information that you guys are gathering from your fun playing with it, and why it's a holiday must get if you have a Switch. Well, if you don't have a Switch, uh, this <laughs> holiday season, a lot of Black Friday ads are already coming out, and there is a lot of good deals on Switches right now. Um, take a look at those. Take a look at the previews. I know some of them are being leaked. I saw one for Target. I saw one for Walmart. Um, uh, Best Buy also saw one for Best Buy. Uh, that was actually, I think, a Mario Odyssey package. Um, but if you you should definitely take a look at those deals. Mario Odyssey is the reason to buy a Switch. Um, not only is it not only is it a ten out of a ten game out of most reviews, it's a ten out of ten for me. My ten year old loves it. It's a family fun game. You don't have to worry about. Uh, anything on the game. It's a Mario game, so you don't have to worry about anything if your kid's playing it, anything they're going to see, anything like that. It's not World War II or anything like that. It's a Mario game. Uh, so anybody out there that doesn't have a Switch, um, you guys are slacking right now. You need to go out there and get one. Damien. Silver, I know, does have a Switch. Day she's one. <laughs> Day one. Uh, I had to wait for mine to, to order mine, but uh, uh, I wish now I kind of waited a little bit longer looking at the deals that are coming out right now. I kind of wish I would have waited a little bit. Um, so, so far, uh, Silver, I'm, I'm at the Lost Islands. I have not beat Mario yet. Have you? I have not. I am currently in Bowser's uh, castle. Oh, so you're much farther. Okay, you're farther along than me. And my 10-year-old son is in Metro City. He's farther along than I am. I'm sorry, but your princess is in another castle. Mm-hmm, usually. <laughs> I love Metro happens. City. Uh, how 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 do, how do I haven't played that yet? How do you like that? I like it. It's just interesting seeing Mario in comparison to like you know your average like everyday like proportionate human beings. And you know, there's cars. And uh, pro tip: if you jump on the hood of the taxis, they get really angry, but you bounce, and it's great for finding stuff on the roofs. Oh, good tip. <laughs> I haven't been there yet, so I haven't got to uh, Metro City. So. Having Mario in a real world situation, we've never seen that before. Right. So this that 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 was the first thing on the trailer that they kind of showed that get you hooked to Mario was they showing you uh, Mario uh, Metro City and Mario Odyssey. 
Is, that is that and what the dinosaur? The, ooh, yeah, yeah. I have got to the dinosaur now. <laughs> now I'll jump in real quick and I'll start talking about Cappy. Cappy, you guys talked about last week, so I don't want to over over drudge how much Cappy is part of this game. It's it's a big part of the game, but being able to go in Mario World and use your cap to jump on or into anything is just one of the best imaginable things that you could think of for a Mario game. I would have never even came up with this concept. I, this would have never came to me throwing my hat off into something and becoming that. I mean, how many times have you jumped over or on a, a Mario baddie? You know, mm-hmm. Bullet Bill, Goomba. Now you don't have to jump on them. Now you just become them. And not only that, but you can you can become a Goomba and then stack a Goomba and then stack another Goomba. And you could be a 10-foot tall Goomba that actually gets you to other moons that you need to find on different parts of the world. Um, at some, some points, you have to turn in the Bullet Bill and fly through the castle and maneuver through uh, little entryways. It's actually really difficult to get through because at a certain point, he gets angry and kind of takes off and then slams you right into a wall. But there's nothing funner than that. And then they add like real world things like Silver was talking about. You can become a real world uh, brontosaurus, a dinosaur. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a T-Rex. It was a T-Rex. And then uh, no errors emissions. You can become a tank. And I you love become the, the tank. Yeah. And then you have to shoot off the certain parts of the wall and kind of open up the bricks so you can get out of the tank and let Mario have like a little stairs to get to the top of that uh, the the mountain right there. On uh, I I think it was uh I forget what kingdom that was. It's the Forest Kingdom or something. I forget the name of it now. Go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, when you're doing all this stuff, do we think that Cappy is Cappy is going to be something that's a gimmick for this game, or do you think Cappy's a character that's gonna stick around? Is he the replacement for Yoshi? Are we going to, I mean, is this something that you think because of the popularity of this character that I'm hearing uh, in, in media? So do you think that he's somebody that's going to be in more games? I mean, are we going to see Cappy as a costume that various characters can get in the next Smash Brothers? I mean, because all you'd have to do is take a character, put a cap on him, Cappy on him, and he could be controlling that character. So you could, every character in Smash Brothers could technically be Cappy. I could definitely see them like doing like a sequel, like a uh, Galaxy had a sequel. Um, I I don't I couldn't see them just putting him in like any Mario game, but doing another um, you know Super Mario Sunshine Galaxy Odyssey type definitely because like I've become very attached to the little guy. I adore him, and I try on different hats just to see how he looks in the different hats. It's very cute. Recently, I was a pirate. Yeah, I'm a World War II uh, pilot right now. I have the leather hat with the leather jacket as Mario. Oh, yeah. Um, it was very cute. I like it. Um, Cappy replacing Yoshi, though, that's kind of a... a I, I didn't even think about that, Damien. That, that's a good thought there. I don't I don't think they would ever get rid of Yoshi. Yoshi's such a beloved character. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually... Actually, before I bought Mario, I didn't watch a lot of trailers on it. I didn't really get into it. Uh, I was just busy with other stuff and games, and I, I just knew I was going to buy it. I knew it was a Mario game. I had the Switch. Of course, I'm going to buy it. Um, It was just a must-buy for me. The surprise that I had was how much Cappy is integrated into the game. I, I didn't realize it. I, I'm on Lost Island right now, and actually, Cappy gets taken from me by this evil vulture. It comes down and takes my cap, and I was like, oh, man. And then I had to maneuver through the level without Cappy, 
And uh, I mean, it was fun, but I was actually kind of frustrated. I was like, no, I need, I just cap you right here. Just cap you right here. This is, this gets me through this. And then I was like, no, nah, I, 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 I can't do it. I got to go save Cappy. Yes, Silver. Because of that, like, because you don't have Cappy, that was the hardest level for me so, so far. It took me like a couple of days to beat it just because I was trying to figure out how to do things by myself. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So now I got the, that leads me to the question. Does that mean is Cappy easy mode? Is Cappy can be? Is Cappy a crutch? No. Okay. He, he's not a crutch because you would lose a lot of the game if you can't become the other characters. Okay. Because um, by level design. Level Basically. design exactly. Like in in the the Sand Kingdom is by far my favorite level right now, and I played a lot of it. Thirty eight moons on it there, silver, and True. I. I jump, you jump up to the top of this floating castle where it's a floating rock kind of where you have to beat one of the bosses up there. But after you beat the boss, it unlocks uh, the, the world unfreezes and it unlocks it a little bit more. So you can, you can go and discover more moons. But when you go up there, you get, you can become this flying gecko uh, lizard looking thing. What? I uh, haven't done that yet. And then you float off of him, and he's a glider. And so you get a, you get a glide through the world and land on different spots to try to find different moons. Um, th- I-, I love that part of the game. Not only in the Sand Kingdom, but the Sand Kingdom, you also can throw your hat onto a power line, and you actually become the electricity. And you can flow through the city that way, and it's like it's like, it's like like fast you know, it's like a fast travel. You can okay. fast travel through the city that way with being electric, uh, on the electric mm-hmm. wires. You're actually the electricity. And then on Sand Kingdom 2, I know I'm over-talking about Sand Kingdom, but I love it. There's also at yeah. nighttime... There's the Jaxi Taxi. Now the Jaxi Taxi is this this statue of uh, like a tiger, and it comes alive, and you get to ride it through the level, and you actually you actually have to find different moons with it because it can travel on places that you can't travel with Mario itself. The way these worlds are built and uh, the level design, it's just it's uh, really it's unimaginable to me. I would never came up with some of the stuff they would have came up with. I could have sat there forever with a room full of 10 year olds and throw the craziest things at the wall. And they did some stuff that I just, I I'm really, really pleased they did go ahead. Silver. Um, just to add on to that, um, my previous world was the luncheon kingdom. And so the whole place is like made out of, of food and stuff. And you have to take over. Oh man. Remind me what they're called. The tur- uh, turtles. Kappas, right? Yeah. Uh, Koopas, Koopas. 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 Thank you. I'm, uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a pain medication brain right now. Um, you actually have to take some over because they throw frying pans because most of the mountain is covered in cheese. So you can't like get through the cheese unless you throw frying pans at it. I spent hours just running around like, you know what? There might be a moon in this cheese, so I'm going to break it up. So you you can't cheese the level? Mm, please <laughs> oh, leave. Damien, come on. <laughs> Uh, Silver, how did you like, I love the warping tubes where it basically puts you into Mario 1, regular Nintendo, into a 2D world, and it lets you kind of climb up something or get through something. It's quick. It, it's not over. You, you don't get bored of it. It's not overdone, and it's very seamless. You go into 2D, and you jump back into 3D. That is actually one of my favorite aspects. It's because I've been playing Mario for, I mean, I'm 25. I've been playing Mario since I was about two. My earliest memories are playing um, Yoshi's Island when I was, like, three or four. So, like, it, it's just so nostalgic for me. And like you said, it's very quick. It's very seamless. But it's just, it feels 
right. It's not like out of place because the music and everything is still there. So it's just it's it's very appealing to us older fans. And yeah, that and, does. I'm sorry, that is a good point. The music does switch the eight bit. Mm-hmm. If you did, you notice that when it goes back into you're back into regular Nintendo mode. Uh, it, it goes the eight bit music, and uh, I I really really uh love that. Yes. Uh, what's so silver? What so far is your favorite level? Is it Metro City? Um, you know I, I'm pretty fond of uh the Sand Kingdom, but the Luncheon Kingdom was a uh, a lot of fun. I haven't got there yet, so now <laughs> now now I need to get there. My son's farther along than I am, and he's only been playing it for a couple of days. <laughs> Screw the Lost Island. Yeah, I, I'm on there right now. I, I I did enjoy not having Cappy and playing regular Mario, but uh, yeah. Go ahead, Damien. All right, so if you guys were to say, because uh, I'm sure that something will come out, Nintendo will put something out, we'll talk about this again before Christmas, but if you were to suggest this, I mean, what, what what's the scale of what you would rate this game right now for people that are listening to it, that are thinking about it? Most people, if they, you know, it's Mario, they're going to go for it. But for those people that might necessarily, they you know, maybe they're still on the edge of picking up a Switch for this game. You said that this is a reason to get a Switch, but what would you score score this at? Uh, a lot of reviewers are giving this a ten out of ten, and I can't argue. You really can't argue with that. It, for Mario fans, this is a must buy. For people that are looking to get into the Switch world and they're looking to a game and they're not a Zelda fan and they didn't pick up the Switch for Zelda like I did. This is the game to pick up. No matter what, if you're not a Mario fan, this game takes in a whole different direction. Uh, there's something to love for everybody in several different worlds. You'll find something that you really care about in there. And like I said, I, I really cared that I could become a Goomba or a Bullet Bill um, or a tank. You know, I really, really, really cared about that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm playing all these guys that I've jumped on their head a thousand times now i can actually be them you know and that's exactly what i was what i was thinking is is that it puts a spotlight on the other characters that create these worlds and that's something that's always awesome yeah so, very good what, point what, what score would you give um i am actually uh in the middle of a review it's slow going because i you know a lot of medical yeah. stuff going on oh trust me but um i will go ahead and give you guys a spoiler alert my review is a 10 10 okay which <laughs> okay. is actually only the second a perfect score I've ever given, the other one being Persona 5. I just don't think you can argue with anybody saying it's not a 10. If somebody says a 9, fine, but I, it's just a perfect game to me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, guys, there you have it with Mario Odyssey. We probably will be bringing up some stuff because, you know, Nintendo's not going to not put something out for this by Christmas. They're going to do something. So I'm sure we'll talk about this again. But if you've been looking for a reason to jump, you know, on some Goombas or anything... This is your reason to jump, get a pick up a Switch, check out Mario Odyssey. Next up, we're going to be talking about a game that actually is one of the leading reasons people are, are wanting to get an X is because they're actually ever able to advertise this for Call of Duty on the Xbox is the fact that it is the home for true 4K gaming, and that is with Call of Duty World War II. We're, we played quite a bit in different modes and stuff on here. Uh, Nick, you've been, you've played more in the campaign, correct? Yeah, I have beat the campaign. And Silver, what what have you been doing in uh, 
World War II? Mostly basic uh, multiplayer, most uh, primarily deathmatch and kill confirmed. But I actually had a friend drag me into Nazi zombies, and I never play the zombie modes. Well, I can tell you from experience that this zombie mode is probably the funnest zombie mode out of them all. A lot of this also just comes from the character design because the characters or the enemies feel fresh and they feel like something you should be afraid of. Now, the old zombies, they were cool. They had a very uh, Romero kind of feel to them, which was which was, you know, it was it was good. I mean, I mean, come on, we all got to remember uh, you know, World at War, we get Nazi zombies. None of us were expecting that as a as an end game reward and then we start playing it and it turned into this whole new genre of things that people pick up Call of Duty for. There are people that literally buy Call of Duty for zombies. Correct. That was a throwaway at world, you know what I mean? And yeah. and it's become this whole genre now. But we don't talk about Infinite Warfare zombies because that was a 1980s neon. Yeah, that's that, the only part of Infinite Warfare that I actually liked. It looked, but more, it was cheesy. It was, it was cheesy. You had to find, you had to catch all the all the Easter eggs. Otherwise, it, it wasn't fun. It was more like uh, wandering through a glow in the dark putt putt course on Halloween than playing a zombie <laughs> game. I'm with Damien on this. I I really did love playing it with my kids and other friends to try to find all the Easter eggs. It was basically like each thing had a level to it, Mm -hmm. and you had to gain those levels throughout the the one little uh, world that you're in. You had to get higher and higher up to get farther and farther along, and there was actually an end game to it, which I enjoyed. But yes, uh, it was very 80s. (laughs) Yeah. This one is... So if you if anybody's played the the which please please if you haven't you can get it for really really uh cheap, cheaply and it's well worth it plus if you have an X they're upgrading the graphics to 4K check out Doom the remake of Doom it's a wonderful game it's scary where it needs to be scary it throws throwbacks to the original levels what you can find um but the game is really good the de- the demons are well created and the gore is definitely there. Well, take that, take that wickedness of what you see on screen and you put it into Call of Duty Zombies. And that's what you get an experience of, except for, you know, you know, Visceral Studios got to got taken down, sadly. And that was the people that were behind game uh, quite a few different games out there. Uh, but we also one of the things is, is that one of the games that got canceled because of closure so there's dead space and dead space you know i you know playing as isaac and going through that stuff you got creeped out you get that same effect when you're playing zombies in here and you don't instead of going through and hearing the zombies tear down you know tear down barriers and stuff you're like oh i gotta run over here they don't just follow those rules. They come up out of the ground. They come up from above. You don't know where they're going to come at you, and it is terrifying. I had two coming straight at me, like downstairs. I had a shotgun, so I pulled it out, and I just, you know, just kind of aimlessly, like, you know, blew them away. I blew one of their legs off, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, now I can focus <laughs> on the ones coming up behind me. No, no, this son of a bitch was crawling after me like faster than he was walking it scared that's the, the hell thing out is, of me is they get you with that because in the old one the old thing was is okay we need we need a break so kill all the zombies blow off one of their legs on the last zombie 
and you have to keep it near you and not got one person runs around while other people get ammo and upgrades and all that stuff. That zombie is fast as hell now. <laughs> you can't do that. That's like going back to like going back to the Doom on the 360 or on back, you know, and or not the 360. Yeah, 360 and running away from running away from the baby demons, you know, and stuff like that. It, it's, <laughs> it's creepy as all hell. And I, yeah, this is a game that if I stream, I definitely will squeal. Nick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On, on the silver's point, they're blowing off the leg. That completely reminded me of dead space because in dead space, you have to target some of the zombies limbs or, stuff. or yeah. aliens limbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one reminded me of that. And some of the zombies that are in there and Damien, you mentioned this before are created based off of dead mm-hmm. space. And the ones that completely rush you, they're in like, you have the slower zombies and you have these other zombies that just completely rush at you. That is Mm -hmm. completely dead space. That reminded me of dead space completely. Um, uh, Blowing off the leg though, and then watching him crawl at you, it is freaky as hell. Mm -hmm. And then then I had one just jump on my head. Mm -hmm. And I look behind me and they're falling off from behind me. And I was like, geez, I mean, there's nowhere to hide in this one. No, there's there no leaving. There's no leaving one zombie down so you, everybody can go reload. You have to reload and find ammo as you're playing. Yep. Now, that's to keep the game, that's to, to make sure that there's no lulls in the game. But what they do offer is rest rounds, where the rest rounds, it's easier. Every, I think it's every five. Five levels. Five. They give you a rest round, and it's lower level creatures. Now, every ten levels, though, uh, you wind up fighting these evil things that come running at you without arms, and they're like explosive and just fast as hell. And it's terrifying because they are grotesquely rotten and just bones and other things. But how quickly they move and they do that jitter, it's fear-inducing, which, again hasn't been done in a quite a while in in the zombies. Mm-hmm. And this gives this gives people a run for their money, especially for the people who stream speed runs on zombies and stuff. They're having to learn new tactics. It's and definitely also, uh, worth playing. There's also a uh usually in zombies there's like a, a big guy that pops out. Oh, like, God. Oh, everybody team shoot, team shoot. In this one there's a big guy I I got to level 19 one time, and there was a big guy, I think after a level 15 or something like that, they just constantly popped up. They didn't stop yep. popping up. And they would rush you, and you could dodge, and they'd swing, and they kind of they kind of hit the wall or something or hit the, the pillar, and then you get a chance to kind of maneuver and shoot at them again. But if they did hit you, uh, you're, you're already in red. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to move. You don't have a chance. And even though if you shoot one, there's another one, which I really enjoyed. Um, did you want to talk about the char- the actors that are playing these? Yeah, uh, I, I, the yeah. characters and zombies. Yeah, go ahead. Uda Kier, or is it? Yeah, is it Uda Kier, right? Mm-hmm. He's playing Doctor Peter mm-hmm. uh, Gusenberg, and then we have uh, Catherine Winnick as Mary Fisher. Um, I don't know what she was in. Do you know, Damien? Uh, Catherine Winnick, uh, I believe. Let's see. Winnick, Winnick. Yeah, Catherine. I'm not sure, but then we have Olanda. Young, who's playing Electra on the Marvel Netflix series of Daredevil and Defenders. Um, also, we have Ving Rhames, which has been in you know a lots of lots of things. Uh, David Tennant is also in this, and he's another character, and he's the I love David Tennant. <laughs> he's in Jessica Favorite Jones. Favorite Doctor. He's... <laughs> he's also in Jessica Jones too as a uh, uh, Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't realize he was a doctor. I'm not a, a Doctor Who guy, Silver. He's one of the few doctors I've actually seen episodes of. I don't watch a lot He's of He's number Doctor 10. Who. Yeah. Uh, He's my favorite. Okay. I like the Warrior Doctor, though. That was, oh, did you? Yeah, that was, that was uh, number nine, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, David Tennant's amazing. He's one of my favorite actors, and like I loved his doctor. So, so I was really excited when been... I found out about him uh, being in the game. Call of Duty Zombies has been adding actors for a while now. Back when we had uh, Buffy the Zam- Vampire Slayer and uh, 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 Rorick, uh, I'm forgetting his name, in Black Ops 2, I think it was. But since then, they've been acting actors. This one was really exciting to me. Uh, each actor that I saw, I was like, oh, yeah, they're in this or they're in that. Uh, but when I saw Electric and Kilgrave and, and Ving Rhames, I'm a big Ving Rhames fan. I was like, yes, I can play as Ving Rhames and killing Nazi zombies. That's amazing. Yeah, Ving Rhames plays Jefferson Potts while... Uh... And then Car- uh, the actress who plays Carmen Electra. She plays uh, Olivia Durant. Yes. And then uh, David Tennant. Uh, t- um, Tennant. Tennant, Tennant is- plays Dr. Drosten Hind. And then uh, our other actress plays Mary Fisher. Those are the characters that are in that are in Zombies. Each character has their own their own perks and stuff too. I usually play Drosten. Well, I, yeah, which they do have. Wasn't intentional, but. Yeah, so at the beginning of uh, uh, before you start playing zombies, you actually get a character loadout mm-hmm. that you can actually kind of switch up your loadouts. You can switch up what perks you want, um, and during the game too, to there is no more juggernaut machine. There is this little. There are machines, but it's just extra armor and different perks that you can get. You know, fast reload in this one is particularly. Uh, I used to not care about that. This one, you really, really need do it. need fast reload. The old World War II guns take too long to reload yeah. in this one. You yeah. need it bad. Yeah. Now, j- transferring, there's a lot to talk about with zombies, and there will be even more so when the expansions come out. Nick, you're gonna, you will get to talk about the expansions before we do, considering you are playing this on PlayStation. Um, we Silver and I are playing this both on Xbox X, and because uh, we have culture. <laughs> but. The other thing I wanted to touch touch basis on, because I said we would this week, is I want to touch on the campaign. Now, this this campaign, again, I said I, I got to play a little bit more of it, and but the campaign really has 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 like I said, I thought it was. It takes character development and makes you connected to these characters in ways that ha- I again I want to say I have not experienced since Modern Warfare. Nick, would you? Amen. How would you say the character's uh, attachment is in this in this style? Yeah, they they make you care about them. They have your hooks into them. I mean, you talked about it last week. There's an opening scene where they kind of introduced everybody to you, mm-hmm. and you at that point you kind of feel like they're your friends. They're your brothers out in the field now. Um, there's also the the, the aggressive, the agni- the uh, antagonist. Uh, sorry. Pierce, Captain Pierce, he's also uh, he's also somebody you care about, you, you want to fight with, but you don't want to fight for, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, here's somebody that you want on your side, but you don't want him to lead you at all. He's kind of a maniac. Um, but every single, it, besides that, everyone's your brother now. Because as soon as you get into a war situation, at first you're fighting for your country, but then when you land there, you're fighting for the people next to you. Uh, you want, you know, everybody you want to come out alive. And I felt that connection right off the bat. 
going into the very first part of the campaign, which is storming the beaches in Normandy. Right off the bat, people are getting killed. And I was like, hey, is that one of the guys that we just introduced? Obviously, I didn't think it was, but you're not really sure because everything's happening so quickly. They do such a good job of, of getting that feeling of shell shock, especially if you have a good headset on. It's crazy. Now, I'm going to say something, uh, uh, you know, crazy. Um, shell shock is what we now know as post-traumatic stress disorder, which I do suffer from, and I will agree with you. It does kind of, uh, you know, trigger that feeling, which... It's not a bad thing for me, you know, you'd think it would be, but it really adds into the experience and just makes it a very emotional and, and deep. It, it makes it more than a game. It pulls you in and reminds you what that war was really about, mm-hmm. which is the whole goal of the team at Sledgehammer. They did a very good job. Yeah, this this campaign, um, it reminds you of how dirty and disgusting war is. It really does. And last week, Damien, you mentioned when you were playing uh, the first part of the campaign where you're storming the beaches at Normandy and you saw your your uh, your brother get his leg blown off. And uh, where Silver was talking about where you have to pull some characters, there's heroic mode where you have to pull some characters off to the side and get them behind a barrier so they're not getting shot or killed. And if you miss those guys, I felt bad about it. I, I, I actually died one time. I was like, no, no, I got to go back and I have to save this guy. And I had to mm-hmm. drag him behind this box and lean him up again when I was in in, in some town in Germany. And uh, I it was the first one I missed and it, I, it actually hit me. I was going to keep playing and I was like, no, that, I, I got to go back and save that guy. Uh, I don't think I missed one heroic during the whole campaign. That's awesome. And see, that's Ooh. that's saying something. That's saying – because the other thing is the way that they created this game is it's like they thought about the fact – because a lot of games – nowadays aren't making single player campaigns story modes it's shared world they were able to make something that is a single player campaign that makes you feel like you're in a shared world like you it it pulls at your heartstrings it makes you want to protect npc characters that's how well voice acted and everything this is and and on screen and you know they'll say graphics aren't everything it's gameplay but in this game again i like to say the fact that how well the graphics are because in, in the last in the last couple of call of duties they might have gotten okay with facial you know, facial structure and all that stuff with how they did their games but there was there was a soullessness in the eyes and that's not present in this and this the eyes when they look at you you feel like you're lo- looking at another human being and that even goes into the death scenes when you see someone dead and they show the yeah. the blood uh, vessels in the eyes that are that are burst and things like that. They did such a good job at that that it's it leaves you with that eerie, sunken stomach feeling, and it makes you it it also fuels you with the anger to go on, and you feel that feeling of I want to you know take out all these bad guys now because they just you know they just killed Billy you know or or something along those lines you know it's yeah you feel an anger towards that but on that point of the eyes and not the the soullessness there is a part of the the campaign where you're in freezing temperature you're in snow you can see the characters next to you your brothers they're cold i felt cold i was like okay i'm cold right now you know but I, that's how that's how well this is done go ahead silver um the thing is like you know when they went straight with uh 
Modern Warfare and Black Ops, uh, you know, especially going into the real futuristic stuff, it lost that sense of what war really is and just turned into a, oh, here's uh, here's some guns, here's some bullets, go shoot people. And that's not what the series is supposed to be. And, and that's really why so many people have strayed away. I can't tell you how many times a day I hear, oh, I haven't played since Modern Warfare 2. Or I haven't played since Modern Warfare 3. And in a way, I don't really blame them because it does lose that sense of, you know, heroism and and what war is supposed to be about. And they really bring that back with this, but they kind of like punch you in the face with it, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like you just said, uh, most games nowadays are shared world, which is something I really dislike. I prefer single player campaign. Just give me a really good story and leave me alone to play it and i'm hoping that the both the success and the incredible work that has been put into world war ii will inspire developers to bring more of that back like i definitely don't see shared world going away but i would like to see more single player campaigns especially in games like that that is why i like what sony has done with bringing a lot of single player campaigns to a playstation uncharted God of War, Last of Us. These are great single player campaigns that are not going to go away. Right. Uh, the shared world thing is is huge. You know, Destiny. That's a huge game. It's not, it's not going to go away either. I think there's a place for both of them. Um, on the campaign though, I just wanted to mention that there was an article I read about uh, storming the beach of Normandy. How they didn't feel like it was authentic or it was hard enough. It's kind of the opening scene to World War II, and they're just trying to get you to feel for the controls. You know how they do that, how they build the controls. This does that, this does this. And and you see so much going on. I didn't feel any of that at all. I felt like this opening scene was almost perfect. Um, I didn't need it to be any more difficult. I honestly wanted to get through that opening scene alive. And I died several times trying to mm-hmm. get over the first barrier that tried to get to the bunkers because you have to take out the guns. So this article I read was saying that it's kind of a play off another game and they didn't feel like it was more difficult and they didn't feel like it was authentic. I honestly didn't see that. Throughout the campaign, which Damien was talking about, you felt and cared for each one of the levels that you're doing. Before before the campaign started, there was always a speech or we have to go do this. We got to go take out this tank. And you're like, okay, we got to go do this. We have to stop this now. Go ahead, Silver. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners are unaware of this, but I am a history major, and as a history major that has studied um, World War II for a very long time, it is a fantastically made game. Even the multiplayer is like, yeah, sure, there's little things like, oh, this gun doesn't load just like it's supposed to. It's because it would take the incendiary rounds. That one, it they load. It's it's different. Yeah, but to do it authentically would just be a nightmare and a half. Yeah, you got to keep the game. You got to you got to take some liberties to be able to keep game speed up. I mean, it'd be like a civil war game where you're running around with muzzle loaders. It's like, hold on. Well, it's like uh, you know, uh, Battlefield One was a great game, but there's no way they could make the weapons completely authentic because, like, like there was a hundred years ago, they don't they didn't work that well. Mm-hmm. So tweaking and stuff for some online modes doesn't bother me. But the locations, the uniforms, the just just the general like setting and feeling is very um, true to 
how I feel and stuff when I study it, watch documentaries, watch Holocaust documentaries, stuff like that. And that's something I really appreciated. Now, did you, you have either one of you guys beat the campaign yet? I haven't beat the campaign no, yet. Not yet. I, I got distracted by Origins. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, or Mario Odyssey. There's a lot of good games out right now. Yeah, so I'm actually playing say, five games right now. <laughs> I will just say about the campaign that it is short and sweet. It's about so, a little bit over six hours long, but like we're talking about the character development and what you care about during this game, it's very fulfilling. Now, if anybody's played a Call of Duty campaign before, uh, ever since Modern Warfare, there's kind of always a surprise ending. All of a sudden, on Modern Warfare, you're on the bridge, it's blowing up, a pistol is sliding towards you, you have to pick it up in a slow motion, you have to shoot the guy. When that first happened to me, I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then each Call of Duty campaign... I was kind of looking for that. Um, there is instances of that during the campaign, but this is this is a whole different campaign. Mm-hmm. There's don't look for don't look for this big surprise ending. Basically, think Go of ahead. this think of this game as a reboot. As yes. much as we don't yes. want to think about reboots, this is, this is this is a reboot of Call of Duty back to what Call of Duty does best. Yeah, it's like they finally jolted it back to life, and, and they're letting it be Call of Duty instead of... Halo. <laughs> yeah, instead of that uh, neon glow-in-the-dark putt-putt golf See, nonsense. when you're talking about uh, Advanced Warfare or Infinite Warfare and flying around the multiplayer and, you know, you have exoskeletons and you're jumping everywhere, during those campaigns... You didn't care about the war because the war wasn't real. Exactly. This war was real. My grandfather was in this war. Mm-hmm. I know Damien, your grandfather was in this war too. My grandfather was a medic. He used to sit me down as a child and tell me stories. Um, he was mostly stationed in Japan. Um, but this war is real. You know, you see the medals in your grandfather's wall, on your wall, for me anyways. And uh, so this really hit home with me. Um, so if anybody that is out of the Call of Duty game... And wants a quick but fulfilling campaign, I would definitely pick this up. Even if you're not into the multiplayer, there's got to be a zombie mode that you're into or something like that. Um, for you Xbox players, how is your connection going for Activision on multiplayer? So that that was one of the things I wanted to say about before closing. The connection is starting to get better. It was atrocious. Uh, they still have issues with certain people lagging and then causing you to lag, which most might that that's the thing that uh frustrates me is that they do they should really do a stat reset for people not take away your stuff but they should take away the stats of kill death ratio and stuff because most of my deaths are because of latency related issues not on my side i haven't had too terrible of a time like you know th- there was a few instances where um, I couldn't get it to load properly, but like I've only even been booted once and had one lagging game, so it hasn't been too bad actually. So now I'm jealous because on the Sony side of things, which I stated yesterday to my kids, this is the last multiplayer game that I'm buying on Sony just because I got an Xbox X now. It, it is ridiculous. I'm I'm really tired of always being. On, on the PlayStation side, being behind Activision or whatever it is, getting the update to Sony, getting the update through my PlayStation, so this lagging and being kicked out of the games and waiting forever to get into a multiplayer match, it, it's been bad. It's been bad for the first week. Um, yesterday was much better. Um, uh, I did hear about an update rolling out. 
Um, so hopefully that fixes some of the some of the the problems. And another thing about Call of Duty and multiplayer is that the clowns are still on there. Yes, the clowns from previous are still on there. I was playing Capture the Flag yesterday, and instead of just playing the game of capturing the flag, they just held your flag on your base and let you spawn and kill you, spawn and kill you. So there is still the clowns that are on Call of Duty. Yeah, that's the one thing about it. Now rolling out of out of Call of Duty, but also talking about some of the ancient Egypt stuff here, guys. We want to go more into Assassin's Creed Origins. All three of us here have it. And, oh, well, two of us have it. Uh, one of us knows a lot about it. What did I tell you? We're the two cultured ones. <laughs> <laughs> this game is just doing great things. Now, I, I know Chris, uh, when he's on the ne- next episode he's on, he's going to have some stuff to say on his side of things. Um, but this game is fun. It's fun. It's pretty. The world environment is just insane. And again, we're, we're talking about the things about Call of Duty going back to their, going back to kind of like the source material. Well, this is Assassin's Creed going back to its source material. I mean, this is, I mean, it's essentially it's, it's origins, but it's also them bringing you a game that's not so buried in the future it takes place more in the past and the characters give you reason for what you're doing. And it's, it's again, it's that story that draws you in and pushes you forward and makes you want to play it. So the leading, the leading guy in this, what is his name again? Bayek. Bayek. I keep forgetting that name where it's hard for me to pronounce Bayek. Now, out of all the characters that you guys have played on Assassin's Creed, how does Bayek rank for you as, and I know he's the original now, but how does he rank for you out of all the, because Enzo was one of my favorites. What do you guys think? I think Bayek, because of the relatability to his character being a parent, um, and just some of the other stuff that goes on in the story, I feel that Bayek right now is actually probably my favorite assassin yeah i agree between his backstory and just overall like his personality the way he carries himself the way he treats others it's very um realistic it's very relatable i'm not even a parent and you know i relate to this guy and my previous favorites were um altair and um i'm really uh uh, fond of the fry twins but bayek is just an incredible character now, so he, so they give him a little bit of backstory because a lot of Assassin's Creed's characters are kind of thrown into, you know, their their origins, mm-hmm. and you don't right. really get a backstory of the, the original character. So Bayek has a little bit of a backstory in this game. Oh, he, yes. he's, yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got a uh, his his backstory is what I played the most of, waiting for the X to come out. Uh, okay, and it's, I mean, let's just put it this way. His character just encompasses all the things that is a badass. Like, I would love, I feel that if this was the Assassin's Creed movie, that this would have done great. <laughs> I still haven't seen it, but I, 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 I feel, feel like you. if this was the Assassin's Creed movie, if they went with this, yeah, this would have been a spectacle that would have been so great to see in theater. I wouldn't have had to wait five times, try five times to watch it. No, I'm with you on that. And when do they start a movie and not tell the origin story? Yeah. 
So this is the origin story of the or the Order of Assassins. Yep. You know, of the what do they call it in the game? Do they call it the Order of the Assassins Creeds or do they call it the Order of the Assassins? I read I read one or two, but um and also this all Assassins Creeds are not linear. No. They're very world exploration. I've heard both of you talk about how <laughs> sidetracked you guys are on just discovering different things. Uh, Damien, you were talking about wrestling alligators, I believe. Uh, yeah, and just going out and you see something, pretty much anything you see, you can find a way to get there. Something shiny yeah. and you get distracted. Yeah, and it's and then the way you learn to traverse the world and everything, just it's something that is we we talked about, about talked about it as being art, and that is something that I will still stand by. This game is art, and this game is something that anybody who's a fan of history, uh, even if you do, if you go in and even if you rent this game, like if you were to rent this game, go through and in the settings when it comes out, wait for it to come out, when they give the settings for exploration. If you're a fan of history, you can do that. You can just go on there. You could rent the game, travel around e- Egypt for a day or two, and you would get something out of this because how how just how beautiful the game is and how much they put into it it gives you that ability to be that explorer and to go find things and see how how the characters interact and everything it it's it's like it feels a lot like you're watching as much as you're playing and being a part of the world it feels like you're also like you're also taking a part in a documentary that you'd watch on like the history channel What about you, Silver? Did you uh, explore anything fun, or are you doing some of the historical things? Um, I'm currently in the middle of the desert, um, just wandering <laughs> around lost. I do that a lot. I also really <laughs> like to go um, fight with hippos. Uh, oh, really? Can you do that? Uh, yeah, fun tip. If you try to like, you know, run away real quick to just like regain a little bit of health, this son of a bitch is going to chase you across the desert, so don't do that. <laughs> but... Um, Again, yeah, if you're in a safari, they always warn you that don't worry about the lions and tigers and bears. Hippos, hippos. are the most dangerous things. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've had way too much fun hunting. A big thing I like about the hunting and stuff is they changed the archery system. So you have your um, fighting bow, and then you can equip an actual hunting bow that will put you into a first-person mode and makes it perfect for hunting animals and getting resources. So I've been using that a lot. Um, and I've spent a lot of time just, you know, again, history major. Every time I hit a city, I just wander around and I'm like, oh, I know what this temple is. Oh, I know what uh, this tomb is. Oh, I know what this building is. It's the one place I can see the Library of Alexandria that makes it a perfect game for me. Beautiful. Did you guys see that they've actually found a tomb? And, yeah, and it's uh, inside the game. They knew. Yeah, that Assassin's Creed Origin actually beat all the historians to this. Yeah, because I know I mentioned it last yeah. week, but I don't remember if it was on air. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember I don't remember hearing about it, but I just found out about it a couple of days ago and I thought that was kind of funny that Assassin's Creed uh, had beat everybody to the punch there. What happened was when they were building uh it was the Pyramid of Giza, when they were building it, they consulted a French He's not an archaeologist, he is a um architect. Yes, thank you. Uh, a French architect about what the how the structure would be inside. That way they could make it at least semi-accurate. And he, he had this theory that there was this tomb in there. 
and they used it, and it was found the week the game released. Now, just just so we know, when we're editing this and stuff like that, the the French architect was not uh, consulted back when the when the pyramids were built. This was built in game. This is built in game. The history major is not saying there's a time traveler. No, he was consulted by uh, Ubisoft. There you go. Okay, I actually I was a little confused. Yeah, on so, that, I, so I was I'm like, glad. let's let's get away with the air emissions in the cast. Yeah, he helped build the pyramids. So, uh, so during the uh, uh, how is the uh, combat style? Because I know they changed it a little bit. So on this much game better. Too. Yeah, the, the combat style it, it takes a little getting used to, but once you get used to it. It, uh, you know what? It honestly, it feels a little bit like God of War. My oh, that's com- amazing. That, that's my actually... complaint is it uses the triggers and the bumpers, and I do have arthritis, so I have a very, very hard time with it. I had to completely remap my Elite controller so I could play okay. the game, but it works really well because I've just got everything right there on the paddles, and it just, I like the abilities and the different weapons and stuff a lot better. Um, the parkour navigation and everything is so much smoother than it used to be i used to sit and yell at the tv like dude just climb up it just just do it just jump <laughs> it, everything you do with bayek is so smooth and Intuitive. immediate it's so much better yeah he so actually, you know what's amazing is that there's actually controllers out there for somebody with arthritis to be able to remap and be able to play all your favorite games and not have to struggle that that's that's incredible uh, I also saw that uh, uh, Bayek, um, the combat style for Bayek was God of War style, Damien. I read something about that, and I'm really glad because the past Assassin's Creed's have been a lot of countered attacks. There's still, ca- there's still blocker, blocking and counter. Okay, but you have just as much you have just as much offensive as you do defensive, and that's one of the really cool things about it. But also. Your fighting style changes dramatically with every different style of weapon you use, which I love. But now, how far along are you guys through the campaign? I'm not. I'm, because I'm there's not a lot too, to yeah, do. Right? I'm not very far at all. Oh. Uh, I'm just past the. I'm just heading to the first major city in it, um, and then uh, that's where that's where I'm at right now. And I will once the next time I probably talk about Assassin's Creed will be after I complete the campaign. Um, okay. That will probably so take at me that a point, while. Then, yeah. Yeah, those are long games. They always are. So at that point, then you guys can give us some ratings on but, how you guys feel about it. Well, uh, I can give a rating of how I feel about it right now. The the rating as an ongoing right now, it's, you know, I haven't completed it. So when I complete, I can tell you if it's a, if it's a 9 or a 10 out of, you know, 10. It's, a, it's a, yeah. right now, just for fun and everything else I'm having with this game, it is a solid 8. But I am sure by the time I beat it that it's gonna do nothing but go up. Cause so far the, so, the writing, I am really, really on board with that. So out of you're giving this all day out of based off of other games. Now can we base it off just other Assassin's Creed games? How does that rank right now? How does that rank for you from the previous, you know, five, six Assassin's Creed games? Silver is giving me a high This sign. is this is my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Um Wow. Probably I since agree with probably them. since the first one, since the initial first one, this is this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this because I'm a big Black Flag fan. I loved how they reinvented Assassin's Creed during that one, um, and the pirate ships. I know you like mm-hmm. that too, Damien. And I love the Assassin's Creed Three too. Uh, 
those are probably two of my favorite ones so far. So I'm really looking forward to playing. Yeah, Origin. you know what? My favorites uh, are three Black Flag and Syndicate. So I think you'll uh, really enjoy this one. Awesome. Now, next up, we're just going to touch, do a quick run through on the Xbox One X. All three of us have one. Um, now, the what the, the thing about the about the console is if you get this console and you don't have a 4K TV. Uh, I still say get this console because if you get this console and you have the space and you download the 4K upscaling or the 4K patches and you play the game on a 1080p. Now, I can say this because I was doing this on a 1080p TV or on a 4K TV that was set in 1080p mode, not realizing that it was. Um, and even with the upscale graphics, I'm walking around just so I go, oh, my gosh, look at I'm like the, the textures. The textures are so amazing. Um, and this is, mind you, this is, this was looking at something without HDR, this was without any of that stuff. I'm talking Destiny without even a 4K patch. The upscaling that the X, that the X does for that game, which also Destiny uh, or Bungie just came out and said that Destiny is in fact getting a 4K, a 4K patch to the game. And it's basically going to bring up, if you have the console that's able to play with 4K, it's going to bring your console up on par with PC, which is great. They did that with Gears of War uh, 4. Yeah, too. Gears of War 4, awesome yeah. as well. Yeah, I I've already downloaded that. If you want to sit, if, if you want to see exactly what it's capable of, put in Origins, put it on all the up, your TV on the highest settings, and just go go look around. It is. Don't so look gorgeous. at the sun. Don't look at the sun. It actually will hurt your eyes, depending on yes. what your TV yes. settings are. That's what I've heard so far. Is that right now? I know there's not too many games that have come out that are 4K native yet. They are giving patches like Damien talked about. But if right now, I heard uh, since I don't have Origins, Assassin's Creed Origins is probably the most beautiful game right now on the Xbox One X. Yeah. World War Two is as well. Oh yeah, World War Two is. Oh, does that is that is that four K native too? It, it's four K, yeah, and it it is insane. Damien, before offline, you were giving me the specs that you need for Xbox One X. To also, it was like sixty. Yeah, so, 60 hertz. so yeah, you need at least a minimum of sixty hertz. Uh, but if, but six uh, sixty hertz will get you your your four K and stuff like that. But the thing is, if you want to get everything basically what you need is you need a need a 4k tv with 120 uh hertz refresh rate for that and what that is is that's going to give you your hdr that uh, so it's got to be hdr now the other thing is is that your settings uh there is if you look up online you can go online and you can look for xbox one uh xbox xbox one x setup guide and they will give you a guide and it'll walk you through settings for your tv to set it up now, that's the only complaint that I have is that that when you go on, you think that it's just plug and play. You plug it in, and it's going to work, and it's not. However, you go through these guides, it will teach you how to set up your TV so that your TV will put out the best possible image that it can, and ultimately, it's going to make you have a better viewing experience for when you're just watching movies. Yeah, so far Netflix with the 4K Ultra. Uh, of the Netflix originals, I kind of went back and just plugged in Jessica Jones because that's one of my favorite Marvel uh, series on there. And I also pl- uh, plugged in uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie uh, and Glorious Bastards. 
and I've looked at that real quick too. I mean, unbelievably gorgeous on a 4K television. Now, I know you said that you would still recommend buying the Xbox One X even if you didn't have a 4K TV. I don't know if I would. I, I honestly don't know. I, I, I think I think you still get the same from your regular Xbox One if you're just playing on a 1080 you know, PTV. I just I disagree. I just I know you disagree yeah, too. Okay. I know because I had I had the One S, which upscales, and see I didn't have the okay. One S. So I don't know. See, yeah, I, I, mean, I went I, exactly from the One to the X. See, I'm comparing the One the One S, which upscales okay. to the X, and I could see a difference between between games at a 1080p setting, and and so that's that's why I, I was stating I'm like okay, this is actually something I can really see. I can see the power gotcha. behind this. Okay, now, same here. Now, that makes more sense now. Okay. Now, if you're if you're going into this and you're trying to think, oh, hey, I have a 1080p TV, I have an Xbox One, or I have an Xbox One S, I'm not going to get a 4K TV for a while, and I'm looking at different consoles for the holiday season, and I could get an X or I could get a Switch. In that case scenario, or I can get a PlayStation Four. These are this is where I would say if you're not going to get the 4K TV. And it was good if you get an X, it would take you away from getting another console that you'd be able to experience exclusives on. I would say go with a Switch or go with a PlayStation Four just so that you can have your full experience of games. Gamers love gamers love games. Expand your don't don't be like the, what I've done where I have a bunch of Xbox Ones in my house and not another console. Expand out it be able to have more stuff to enjoy. Uh, if you are getting a 4K or that's in the future, then yeah, definitely go for the X. I still recommend I, I, the Switch, uh, mostly because it is holiday season. A lot of people will be buying things for their children, and it's such a new system. We're going to see a lot of exclusive um, releases over the next uh, few years. One of the things I wanted to say about the Switch is that this is also the other argument, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into Chris's shoes here since he's not here, and Chris yeah. was gonna bring bring this up is the fact that the Switch is creating the argument that 4K is not, and Sony even admits to this. Sony admits to it that the Switch has shown that 4K isn't necessary. It shows that it's gameplay and ga- or ga- it's playability, game design. That's what's gonna sell your games. And that's something that Nintendo has done well. Nick? Yeah, I was just going to say that even when the 360 and PS3 was out, though Nintendo proved it back then with the Wii, you know, yeah. they proved it then that it was it was gaming. It wasn't about, you know, the graphics or, or you know, it was, can I play Mario Kart? Can I play Zelda? And can I play Wii U, you know, Wii Sports, you know? Uh, I, I love that back then. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Silver. Um. Yeah, I agree. Nintendo has proven that we don't need 4K to enjoy. I've been playing on my Switch, besides Mario, Stardew Valley. Yeah. I've played it before. I've got over 200 hours in this game. And it's this little 16-bit indie game yep. where you run a farm. And I have so much fun with that game. And like even with all these new titles I'm playing, I'll be sitting here and I'm like, you know what? My hands hurt. It's been a long day. I'm going to farm. Now, talking about going away, you know, talking about farming, something else that you kind of do, uh, we know that you're a fan of these Sims-style games. Now, not not just like farming Sims and things like that, but actually the Sims. 
And mm-hmm. right now you were wanting to talk about Sims for Cats and Dogs. Now, is this is this a game where you're just raising cats and dogs, or is this an expansion to The Sims 4? It is an expansion to The Sims 4. Uh, one that's been long awaited by fans. Um, I actually... Uh, the largest Sims group on Facebook. It's almost 50,000 members. I'm actually an admin on that team, and every day we want pets, we want pets, we want pets. And so when they announced it, like the entire page just blew up with oh my god, it's finally coming. And um, as of today uh, when we're recording, it just released. I was able to download it last night because I had pre-ordered it. Uh, So I've been playing it pretty much all day. Uh, And it's it's definitely, um, it's great, but it, it doesn't quite meet up to The Sims 3 pets. Uh, so, a lot of posts on that Facebook group about, you know, like, oh, I wish there was horses or hamsters or stuff like that. But for what it is, it's actually really, really great. Okay. Now... I all spent hours playing The Sims. Th- now, with the, the pets, is it just that you get to add pets into your into your houses and stuff like that, or is it does it go a little bit deeper deeper than that? It goes it goes a little bit deeper with something that I've been wanting for the almost fifteen years I've been playing the series. Um, you can be a veterinarian, and beyond that, you can own your own clinic. Okay, that is cool. Now, yeah, that I, was the first thing I did. Little thing about me is I actually used to mod Sims. I used to create people could send me a picture of themselves, mm-hmm. and then I would create custom uh, custom Sims for them that they could download. With yeah, their, yeah, with their we've got a lot of people to do that. Yeah, I used to do stuff like that, and I'm a I'm a veteran a veteran from uh, the Sims Online back in the day. Oh man, back before I had actual internet. <laughs> <laughs> Then again, I was like 12 when that was out. But, oh, uh, that make me feel old. I ju- just um, that's got, what I I'm here ju- for. I had just gotten out of the Air Force. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. I was I was not even in middle school yet. I uh, Yeah, I've been playing them for almost 15 years. So, you know, I, I, I could nitpick the different packs. You know, people have their issues with The Sims 4. But I like, I love casual games. The Sims, Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley. So for me, I... Instead of just nitpicking the things like, oh, this was better in The Sims 2 or, you know, whatever, I don't care. Just give it to me. I'm going to buy it. Just shut up and take my money. Easter egg on this before we go into uh, Hype Train is that my, uh, that an ex of mine, her uncle, is the voice behind the, the male Sims. Oh, my God. So Sim- you just made my okay. day. So Simlish is an interesting language of Portuguese mixed with just a bunch of, uh, like, jibber jabber but there's it and actually is a full it's been created as a full language so these actors two comedians the one that plays the female voices the one that plays the male voices actually had to learn the language and now there's been so many games that they have done the link the the voices for that they can actually speak it as if it's a language they can speak it to each other just just and a little the, easter egg <laughs> those of us who have played the games for way too long I, i'm not proud of it but you know I, I'm a girl. What what else am I going to do? Like, as much as I love shooters and zombies and, you know, car games, I'm going to go back to Animal Crossing and The Sims at the end of the day, every yeah. day. Because I love to just kick back and just just walk, talk mm-hmm. to people, do things that I don't normally do. <laughs> <laughs> one, because I can't. One, because I won't. Yeah. So next up, we're going to go into the hype train. We're going to touch base. on. We're going to go into three different... Three different games on here. Uh, one of it, which uh, could be something that, uh, as of the, the time that this launches, 
some of us could be actually playing. And we're going to start up with Battlefront 2. If you're a Star Wars fan and you've ever wondered what the story was, what happened after, you know, the the Death Star 2 blows up. Now, we got a little bit of that in in the movie. In the movies, we got a little bit of knowledge of that with the new order and things like that. But what we didn't know is there is there's still forces there. There's still forces that were on the planet fighting that see this happen. What happens when you see your base? Do you automatically, oh, I give up. I'm going to go, you know, we're going to, it's peace. Or do you still keep fighting for your cause? What happened to the death troopers after Rogue One? Why do we not have stormtroopers that know how to shoot targets? All this stuff gets <laughs> answered in this game it's a way for disney it's a way for uh, lucas films to be able to go and create a a canon character and to be able to create this world story that explains the gaps in between all that and tells us where those death troopers were and that they were actually on endor we just didn't get to see them in the film but now we're going to get to see what they were doing behind the scenes so this is this is I played a little bit of Battlefront One. Uh, I does Battlefront Two have an exclusive campaign to it that doesn't connect to Battlefront One, or it does connect? Well, so th- it has an exclusive campaign for itself that connects to the. It starts at the end of of when you see the Death Star blow up. Yeah, oh, really. And okay. So it follows it follows a character that a female character that is you, you are you are solely playing from the empire and the empire they they don't view themselves as the bad guys obviously and what's cool is we get to see why they don't feel that way we get to see the missions and stuff that are going to take place that basically create the new order and this is going to go through from this is going to fill that gap from return of the jedi and follow through to the most current film that's coming out. And that's that's what you're going to see, the, the character's growth between that and uh, the, last, uh, or the Last Jedi. And the characters are going to be, that are going to show up in all that stuff. Uh, Silver. Mom, if you're listening to this episode, I'm tired of doctor's appointments and I would like this game. <laughs> but... Um, one of the, one of the other things that about this is that, yeah, we're getting, we're getting our, the multiplayer, we're getting all that stuff that's going to be coming out with this game. It's, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. And one of, and something else that I'm going to talk that I wanted to talk about in the high frame tied to Battlefront 2 is the fact that EA is just purchased or is, is in talks to purchase Respawn, uh, which is the company that's behind games like Titanfall. Uh, and the Correct, most yeah. and a new open world share or shared world shooter style uh, Star Wars game. Now, with the purchase of Respawn, that's putting EA, which they've done, they've been partnered with a lot of the Star Wars games in the past. This is putting them to basically be that go to for Star Wars. That's not pretty. That's not not pretty. You know, that's not very shabby for for a company that's aligning themselves like this with with Disney. My thing is, I'm curious how long is it going to be till EA gets purchased by Disney? <laughs> this is significant because a lot of people were already talking about 
that Battlefront's going to have microtransactions now. <laughs> and uh, because, I mean, the I believe it was the CEO came out and said that 42% of their profit, uh, 42% of their profit the last year was from microtransactions. And I know that can wear on gamers at some point. Go ahead, Silver. I have something to add on to that. Um, I read an article yesterday morning about how uh, Ubisoft's uh, profits from the last two or three months has come from microtransactions, not the purchase of games. The thing is that these companies are doing, which is okay, is that basically in ba- in like games like Battlefield or Battlefront, what they're doing with these microtransactions, majority of these microtransactions are either going to be cosmetic, so you don't have to have them, even though if you really like the game, obviously a lot of times people feel like they have to have them. And then the other aspect of them is they're for the player who has expendable income and doesn't necessarily have the time to put into the game. They can buy shortcuts for the classes. They've done that in Battlefield 1. People did it. I've never done it. It frustrates me because they get to the guns faster. That's not a buy-to-win scenario. That's a that's a buy-to, I don't have time to play this, but I want these things. I can buy this and buy to get buy ahead. To get ahead. See, I don't really see a problem with either of those, especially, you know, like cosmetic things, expendable income. There's people that are just plain and simple like, man, I really, really want that gun, that camo. I've got an extra five bucks. Why not? And so it really doesn't bother me. The only things that I usually buy are the um, Call of Duty endowment packs because I do anything to support the veterans. Yeah. The other thing. And see, uh, offline, sorry, offline, Cajun was bringing this up about... um, transactions for like dlcs and how you how you look at the difference of cost we were actually talking about the iphone x being double the price of a xbox one x which is insane when you think about it but we also talked about how a dlc for call of duty is usually around 15 dollars now and when you look at uh it's uh income and what you can spend cuphead which is a really high really rated indie game right now uh is only 20 dollars mm-hmm. So that's what people were talking about for microtransactions and how they're how they're like, oh great, you know, Battlefront. I'm not gonna get this lightsaber because it's gonna cost me seven ninety nine. You know, uh, that's the article I read. So if it doesn't bother you guys, um, uh, I don't really buy microtransactions that often. Yeah, I mean, me, it just it's just something that it just depends if something strikes my eye. I'm like, okay, you know, I wouldn't mind having that. It's that kind of thing. Uh, one thing I do feel, though, that microtransactions in games like Call of Duty and things like that, I feel that it takes away from the earned camouflages, like when you buy camouflage for a gun, because then you want to run around with this thing that you paid money for, uh, and then it makes the ones that you can you have to actually fight to earn and show skill to earn, it kind of takes yeah. away from those in some aspect, because people are like, oh, no, I, I want to see this cool one that I paid money for. Not what I just, oh, I just got diamond on this gun, you know. That that was that's yeah. I paid and did not earn. Yeah, and you're you know, mind you, I'm not saying you can buy diamond skins. I'm just saying that sometimes they put out these really cool skins that look better than the ones that you can actually earn for a feat in the game. Yeah, that's where I have a little bit of a problem. Is but right. But aside from that, uh, EA taking on a new taking on respawn and getting a new game out there that's i I think it means that there's gonna be more money behind the studio and we don't have to worry about the studio going under but then again is ea closes studios so it's it's going to be something that we have to cross our fingers on but i'm hoping being the fact that it's star wars and they've already they got to be be careful because they've they've shut down two different games now 
they really have to tread lightly for their fans. That being said, Battlefront 2 comes out next week. I'm super by the time you hear this, it'll be out. I am nothing but excited for that. But something else that I'm that I'm pretty excited about is something that I didn't get a chance to experience when it first came out. And it was just because it came out at a weird time. I didn't I didn't I was in between jobs, I think, or something like that. I can't remember quite what's going on. But it's I'm talking about LA Noir. Now this is gonna be the the definitive edition, which so all the DLCs, everything else comes out. And this is coming out on all the main consoles. What do you guys feel about LA Noir and which one are you guys gonna get on? Because I know that it's coming out on Switch. I am I'm a big fan. Like of course Rockstar games are always great, but if you ask me, LA Noir is one of their best. Uh, but I, you know, I'm really into that uh, whole, uh, you know, 20s vibe. I love, you know, detective style games. So, um, but I'm gonna get it on the Xbox One. Firstly, because I had it on 360, I'd love to re-earn uh, the achievements and stuff. And like, I'd like it on the Switch, but especially because I, um, there's supposed to be some unique interactions you can perform with the Joy-Cons. But I'm gonna hold off until after I get my arthritis treated and I can actually move around and use the Joy-Cons. And until then, just enjoy it on my Xbox with my Elite controller. So for me, it's mostly a medical reason, but also partially a, um, you know, oh, I played this on the Xbox 360 and I just... Achievement reason. Yeah, achievement reason, and, and I just, I'm comfortable with it on the Xbox. Okay. Now, Nick, you're... I did, I yeah, I did play it on the 360. I beat it on the Xbox. Um, I really, really like this game. It's a, it's a different type of Rockstar game. Um, the facial recognition that we've talked about before, Damien... How they how they did that, how you have to read other people's facial expression to even produce even uh, go through the campaign. <clears throat> I am really curious how it looks on a switch. Now I can take my switch and I can play on the handheld, and I can take my switch and I can drop it on my 4K TV. So I'm really curious to see the difference in the game on both on both on the handset and on the television. So I'm really gonna buy now, it for the Switch. I'm now the Switch to doesn't that. upscale though. If you have a 4K TV, does the 4K TV if it upscales things that are connected to it? Do you know? Have you tried anything out like any other games with it to see if there's a difference in graphics? What I'll say is that because it enhances everything, it's on a bigger screen. Mario Odyssey to me plays extremely well on my television and not on my handset. Okay. I don't really care for it on the handset at all. Where Zelda, I really liked it on the handset and not so much on the TV. So I am curious on that aspect. I'm curious of how it how it plays for me. I'm thinking it's going to play on on the TV better. Okay. And then Silver, you'll have it on. You'll have it on the X, and so you'll be able to say what say you know talk to the effect of how it looks with the updated graphics and stuff like that. Exactly. We're find it out. And I actually just um, double checked Xbox's website, and it is going to be not only uh, Xbox One X enhanced, but it will run an ultra, the 4K Ultra HD and HDR as well. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm Ooh, definitely wow. going to so, have to give. Uh, that's probably going to go on a Christmas list. <laughs> and it's only, well, on the Switch, I know it's. Forty nine ninety nine, but on the Xbox One and PlayStation Four, it is only uh, thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. And for a game that good, I can definitely swallow forty or fifty bucks. We do have a lot to be looking forward to this holiday season. We have, uh, you know, we have the updates coming out for Destiny. Of course, we talked about last week, which is uh, coming out December fifth, which is going to be great. Uh, 
and then a bunch of other stuff that's going to be coming down the pipeline and we will keep you guys all informed on that now we're going to go into sign off where you can find us first off if you're looking for how to get a hold of us you guys can reach us uh two different emails that we have one of which is geekologist at ninjapancake.com you can also email us at uh podcast at geekologist.com you can find us on Twitter at Geekologist Radio, minus the T for character restrictions, on the web at www.geekologistradio.com or www.ninjapancake.com, where you can find a whole bunch of other podcasts, including one that's going to be coming up here pretty soon. They're going to be, or they're they're working on with, uh, they're going to try to be bringing on a comic podcast. And so when we know more about that, we're going to definitely keep you guys informed on that, and uh, check out the website. Go check out some of the other podcasts on there. There's everything you could imagine on there that will fill up your your work day, your work week, all that stuff with good quality content. Now we're going to go back to where we can reach ourselves, where you can find us other places on the internet. Silver, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at SilverSoulX10 or at SilverGamingUSA. Okay. And Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick and PDX, all one word. And also check out the Facebook page, Geekologist Radio Facebook. And you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Damien Nash, all one word. And with that, we are out.